Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and welcome to podcast episode number 175. This week you're going to get another perspective on a topic that most people, even those who are really into self-protection, completely avoid, potentially at their own peril. I'm talking about fighting on the ground, and it's unfortunately a very critical reality of a violent attack that requires you to have a plan and a few key skills that you can count on when you're dragged to the ground. Now don't worry, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it does have to be effective. And this week we have a new trainer in our network, Nick Faruqi from S2Strategic.com, who jumped on a video cast with me to share some simple yet brutal tactics that you can add to your hand-to-hand arsenal right away. Don't worry about taking notes because we've already done the work for you. Just head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 175. Pick up the show notes, including a complete download of the audio, transcription, and a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet with all the main tips from our interview that you need to know. Now, let's jump in with Nick. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. 80% of all fights go to the ground. 90% of ground fights are fatal. 100% of statistics in this podcast have been made up on the spot. Whatever that fantasy number might be, the fact is that gravity happens. And should you ever find yourself defending against a real close quarters attack, you very well could find yourself hitting the parking lot pavement hard and be flat on your back with potentially a bigger, stronger, and possibly even armed attacker on top of you. And when your ability to fight on your feet has been compromised, what tactics can you rely on to avoid being choked, pounded into the cement, or transformed into a human football for your attacker's buddies to kick around while you lie there immobile? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And today, here to talk about real street-based ground fighting tactics is the newest member of our training network, Nick Faruqi. Nick, welcome to the program, man. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Good to, good to get your uh, stuff out. Uh, this is, you've been somebody that we've kind of had our, uh, our little, our sights on here, and I'm looking forward to really getting your information out to, to our audience. Now listen, everyone, uh, this is going to probably be the first time you're listening to Nick on our, on our podcast and anywhere on our channel. So Nick is a Chicago-based instructor, author, and expert in personal defensive tactics who just became a fellow Texan, I might say. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, his more than 25-year background in martial arts studies, over 15 years of teaching, training, and over 150 seminars around the globe have earned him international acclaim in the industry. And Nick's expertise and above-the-rest approach earned him a published spotlight in magazines such as Black Belt Magazine, SWAT Magazine, and more several times over. He's also one of less than a dozen experts around the United States who have had the privilege of working with the most elite law enforcement agencies military special operations groups, and CEOs of global corporations. Now, to learn more about Nick and his training, go ahead and visit him online at his website at www.s2strategic. That's S, the number two, strategic.com. All right, Nick, let's go ahead and get started. Um, 
you know, Nick, the, there are so many people out there who, who claim that the best way to avoid a ground fight is to not get into a ground fight. Like just, just basically stand up on your feet. We know that isn't always possible, but obviously the last place you want to be in a real fight is on the ground because of all the dangers that are associated with that from other people jumping in or just being immobile, not being able to use all of your body weapons necessarily. So you can't really say just never go there. But let me ask you, you know, from your from your experience with training people, you know, what is the, the best tip, trick, tactic, technique or whatever that somebody can use to prevent as much as possible the possibility of ending up on the floor, the parking lot, you know, wherever. Jeff, this is a really interesting subject and it, and it kind of hits uh, at home for me. Now, here's the deal. There is no magic. There's no secret one thing that you can do. I mean, we all, we already know that violent encounters have infinite variables. And when you have infinite variables, there's not going to be just one solution that solves every single problem. And so you need to understand the dynamics of every particular situation, which means you need to be familiar with a bunch of different dynamics that you can now have some information to pull from. When we talk about counter-grappling or counter-ground fighting tactics, a lot of people are using that term, you know, avoid the ground. You're assuming that you had the opportunity to prepare for that particular violent encounter. But the fact always remains that, hey, listen, if you're preparing for a fight, prepare to not be in the fight. That's the game plan that we want to have. When somebody else attacks you, you're on their timeline. You're on their uh, game plan. So you have to be able to not only respond to their level of violence accordingly, but also deal with the environmental problems, that, that mental and emotional shock that everybody is going to have for a moment. If you want to have a few handful of things that you really want to think about as far as being able to avoid the ground, let me give you a quick, uh, two or three tips. First tip that I always preach on is if you want to avoid the ground, learn how to be on the ground. So that way it just doesn't matter to you. It's just another range. It's something you're familiar with. You're not afraid of it. It just is what it is. If the fight takes you to the ground, you're confident there. If it doesn't take you to the ground, you're confident there. So learn how to be on the ground. Second thing is what I call range management or range dictation, which simply means this. If you have an intended takedown, so the bad guy plans on pulling you to the ground, punch, kick, single leg takedown, punch, kick, double leg dump. If you have these kinds of things going on, there's, uh, those things need to be launched at a particular range, meaning a distance from, you know, one person to the other. If you're not in that distance, that takedown is now a null and void particular thing. So if you understand how the ranges of combat work, then you can avoid many of those takedown attempts simply by the manipulation of distance. And then the last thing is awareness. Environmental awareness, you've got to watch out for those tables, those curbs, those cars, that kind of thing. Situational awareness is to see if there's one person, ten people, you know, is there a rock that you can grab, can get your firearm, is there lights, is there, are you in snow, are you in gravel, I mean, I don't know. And then the last thing is having the awareness to be able to pick up those small precursors that somebody might show you prior to attempting a takedown, right? So if you can do those three, uh, those three things, you'd be much happier off. But there is no secret one thing that avoid the ground because you don't have a choice most of the time. Yeah, that's great. That's great information also because if you, I mean, a lot of times the reason why fights go to the ground is because people get up close. I mean, there so many people are used to like punching away at each other, just trying to get that haymaker lucky shot in there for a knockout. 
And when things get really up close in the bad breath zone, then people don't know how to fight in close quarters. So they end up just holding on to each other, wrestling around, and then somebody falls down. So that's, that's great information, like know your ranges, but know how to fight in those ranges so that you can take that person out from that's a right. distance. You don't have to get in that grapple zone. That makes a lot of sense. So, so Nick, what if, what well, if range I'm, dictates tactics. What's that? Range dictates tactics. So, yeah. you know, you punch and kick from a certain range, you grapple from a different range, you throw from a different range, you know, you use a knife in a certain range, you use an impact weapon in a certain range. I mean, range dictates tactics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Nick, let me ask you, um, what if, what if I'm on the ground and my attacker isn't? So whether I, was falling backwards, I hit a curve, I hit a table or something, I fall down, now I'm at a disadvantage here, and I've got this guy kind of closing in on me. What's the best thing for me to do to be able to get back up on my feet as quickly as possible so that this guy just doesn't start stomping on my head? Yep, so the objective of street-based grappling or ground fighting is always to be back on your feet as quickly as possible, which means at some point you're going to end up having to stand back up, right? Because you just said you're on the floor and that guy's not. You have to stand back up. And so the way we stand up as human beings typically means that we lead our head forward to gain some momentum and balance, and that we stand up forward. Essentially, the product of that, the result of that type of standing up is you put your head, your throat, and your lungs into the batter's box, which means that even every time you try to stand up, this person's going to be swinging at you. So we have to understand that there is a way to stand up where you're moving rearward or straight upward and not putting the vital targets into the fight. You're taking them away from the fight. So you give yourself a little bit of a margin uh, of safety. That's one aspect of things. The other aspect of things is you have to read the situation. What is that person doing? Are they staying away from you? If they're staying away from you, they're giving you that opportunity to stand up. If they're jumping right on top of you, standing up is not even an option. Maybe they're standing over you and you pulling them to the floor before you stand up might be the right option. So what's the right situation or what's the right answer is going to depend on what's happening up front in front of you. Keep a few things in mind. Protect the head, protect the throat, protect the lungs. Consciousness is very important to combat. So if you're not even awake, meaning you're letting somebody swing on you, whether it's a baseball bat, whether it's fists, whether it's kicks, if you can't be awake, you're not going to be effective no matter what happens. So those are the three things that you have to protect at all points in time, no matter what you do. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we've been talking with Nick Faruqi of S2Strategic.com about ground fighting tactics that you can use to survive a real street fight. And we have a lot more coming up, including the fastest way to prepare for a ground attack without months and months of expensive, complicated martial arts classes the weapons factor in surviving a ground pounding, and dealing with multiple attackers when you're on the ground and facing eight pairs of steel-toed work boots headed toward your cranium. All that and more coming right up, but first, check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a six-foot-nine, 350-pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do? Without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. 
Waiting for you and your free DVD, you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Nick Faruqi of S2Strategic.com, getting his best strategies for surviving a real ground fight in the street. Now is where we get into a lot of the juicy stuff. So let's go ahead and jump back in now. Okay, Nick, so the worst has happened, right? Let's talk about some tactics now. So I've, I've hit the ground. I've been taken down by my attacker. I've got this, this big, giant behemoth on top of me now. And my goal is to, is to take this guy out using whatever possible weapons or tactics I can use at the time. So forget about weapons. I'm going to ask about weapons here in just a minute. But what I want to know is like a lot of people that are out there don't necessarily have the time or the money or even sometimes the opportunity to go to these fancy mixed martial arts classes that might teach very complicated like arm bars, twist this, rub this, whatever it is. Um, and, but they still, you know, look, we all have to go to the ATM machine or go to the parking lot or pick our kids up, whatever it is. And so you can still, so what I'm looking for you is like, what are some very basic but brutally effective things that somebody can do when they're on the ground, they've got somebody on top of them to be able to try and escape that, that predicament as quickly as possible. I think the first thing that we should always do is establish a fundamental understanding of what it takes to navigate the ground. Now, when we are upright, we're standing, we're walking, we're running, we're punching, we're kicking, we're on our feet. As human beings, we're very competent on how to do that, right? Because we do that all day long, whether you're in a combative situation or whether you're just, you know, doing dishes, you're always on your feet. So we have a lot of flight time being on our feet, but we have very little flight time being on our backs. We do not understand as human beings how to effectively walk, crawl, roll using our shoulder blades and our hips. So you have to learn how to navigate the ground, how to just be mobile. And I'm not talking like you got to be like some black belt jiu-jitsu guy. You just have to understand how to move around on the floor effectively. And so the way I always see it is on our feet, you and I might be a PhD. On the ground, we're first graders. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to educate yourself on how to do that. Now, that being said, there's a few things that everybody should learn how to do. And I'm not talking about, like a, like a, again, that black belt mixed martial arts guy. I'm talking about everyone who wants to start learning the basics of ground fight. You have to learn how to bridge up with your hips. Because that bridging up is what gets people off of you or keeps them off balance or it makes their hands come down to the asphalt. And if their hands are coming down the asphalt, their hands are not on your face or on a knife or on a gun, right? We learn how to shoot what's called shrimp or snake, which is move laterally, side to side. That allows us to have distance and angles, okay? And then we have the ability to roll meaning roll over your shoulder, roll over your other shoulder, roll forward. 
because that allows you to get away from somebody grabbing onto you. It allows you to help navigate. And we combine those things, right? Bridge, shrimp, roll. Now, these are very, very easy to do. It just takes time to practice. And I don't know, there's plenty of online courses out there that'll teach you that. YouTube has a plethora of information. You can watch that if you don't want to sign on to school. What you do is you take those three things, bridge, shrimp, roll, and then you learn how to capture somebody and control them. Capturing their arm, capturing their neck, capturing the top of their head. The reason why I say the top of their head is because that's going to give you so much leverage that when you can now pull their forehead down to your chest, they're doing everything that they can to get out of there, but what they're not doing is they're not punching you, they're not kicking you, and you are able to control and contain them because that's not a strength game. That's a leverage game. When you take all of those things, bridge, shrimp, roll, control, and containment, then you add in your dirty tactics. That's where your eye gouging, your throat chopping, your neck breaking, and all that stuff comes in, the dirty tactics, because now you can navigate the floor. You're familiar with how to move around over there. You can control and contain somebody. And then you can put it in the dirty work to get them off of you or be able to get them to completely stop their attack in general. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. And I think a lot of people don't think about necessarily like those, those dirty tactics like gouges and things like that. Because when you look at like UFC matches or mixed martial arts matches, if you really watch those things from a street point perspective, you're like, you, you, you would almost be saying to the screen like, why don't you shove your thumb into that guy's eye right now? Like there's a lot of things that are so brutal that they're not allowed in the octagon. And I think that people really need to start, um, you know, if you really care about protecting yourself in a, in a truly violent attack where there are no rules, you know, you really have to start looking at what those dirty tactics are that most people won't use. In fact, I mean, I look, I take a, um, I take Krav Maga classes and I've got from the best instructors I've ever had in my life. And um, we never learn those things like he talks about them, but we never actually show them or here's how you would do it. or Here's where you would use it. And so what ends up happening is when we're all grappling on the ground, we're working on ground fighting or something. Nobody ever even shows those things. And so, again, it ends up kind of programming the wrestling match or, you know, we do get the things like the bridge shrimp roll and things like that, which are extremely valuable. When you can contain, though, it's those dirty tricks that sometimes are the most the most effective that that gets that person trying to get off of you as fast as they possibly can rather than just trying to out-wrestle, you know? We have to understand the context of that, too, and, and you're 100% correct. Well, first and foremost, there's an industry-wide myth that we relate street-style grappling to, like, mixed martial arts or UFC-style grappling. They're not the same, okay? Right. Street grappling, we're on asphalt, gravel, broken glass, snow, grass. There might be multiple attackers. We don't have a padded floor. We don't have a referee. We don't have three judges. We don't have three months to prepare for a guy that we've got a chance to watch film on. There's no weight requirements. There's no, you know what I mean? That's totally different. However, that sportive, combative type of training allows us to have a training methodology that we can now put in and take out those dirty tactics on. And the reason why a lot of people don't train them is because, not because they don't know them, they don't understand how to train them. You know, like that was something that I had to master for myself. Mm-hmm. How do I, how do I eye gouge somebody 12 times in one round without losing training partners? In the application side of things, so I gave you guys uh, a handful of things, right? Bridge shrimp roll and then how to control and contain somebody, then put in those dirty tactics. And the reason why I say that is this. If you don't know how to control and contain somebody, you eye gouge them, they lean back, they're away from your thumb. 
Now they're free. They can get off of you. So are they more pissed off or less pissed off now? The problem with it is, is, and I love this, I got a friend of mine named Paul Sharp who, uh, back in Chicago, um, he always says this, uh, one liner. If, if you can't beat me with rules, what makes you think that you can beat me without rules? You know what I mean? Uh, and so the idea is that you very first, you first have to learn the rules and learn what it takes to make those other elements, the dirty elements, successful. And if you can't control and contain somebody, then apply the dirty tactics with impunity. What you're going to do is just piss them off even more, and now you've elevated the level of violence instead of de-escalating the level of violence. Yeah. Get it? Yeah, it makes total sense. important to understand that. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so Nick, let's, let's, talk about, um, let's talk about weapons real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, any time that you add a knife or gun or any other type of weapon into a ground attack, you, you, you viciously raise the stakes on survivability from that point. So what's the best way to keep an attacker from um, trying to get access to a knife or something like that? So, you know, we'll kind of take it on both sides. You know, is there what are the best ways to make sure this person doesn't eventually do it? Because I think the longer a fight goes on and if they're not like taking you out, I think I, I always think like in the theory of a fight, you're not necessarily thinking about the weapons that you might have. Right. Like you're thinking about the attack that's actually happening. But at some point, once you're like all locked up and just getting tired, it's like, oh, that's right. I've got a knife. Hey, I can reach my knife. So what is the right. best way maybe to, you know, keep somebody from from getting to a weapon? And then also, what's your perspective on on weapons for yourself? Like other like um, just the dynamics of, of, of having a weapon or getting to a weapon or using a weapon in a ground fight yourself. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to answer both those. Let's talk about the bad guy first. Um, as the attacker, because it's just very simple. The bad guy typically puts all of his tools up front, right? Because the goal in a violent attack is to overwhelm quickly. They don't want the fight to go on for a long period of time. They want to accomplish their task right up front, whether that's a sexual assault, whether that's a robbing, whether it's killing somebody, whatever. All of their tools are up front. What you're not going to, they're not going to go through like a Swiss army knife and be like, okay, you know, use of force tells me I can now use a baton and then a the taser and then a knife, and then a Twinkie, and then what you mean it's not going to work that way. Usually they come with everything that they got right up front, okay? And so we have to be able to deal with that right up front. On the good guy's uh, perspective, that's always tough because we don't walk around with our carbine out and our you know, pistol you know, at our hip and a knife in one hand. Like we don't, that's not the way you and I go through life, right? Because, again, we're not we we can't plan for our game plan to be the, the the main goal. We have to deal with somebody else's attack. We're on the reaction, not on the action side. And so, you know, I've always felt like, going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier, if you understand how to dominate a range, you understand how to shut somebody down in that range, which means you're limiting the opportunity. You know what I mean? Let's just say that we are up close, like, uh, you know, five to six inches away. And we can push, shove, we can throw, we can do all kinds of things. Right? We can pummel, we can tangle up. What if I headbutted you straight across the face, thumb you in the eye, grab one of your testicles, slingshot it from the floor to the ceiling, put an elbow right through your optical orbit? Are you going to then be reaching for a knife? No. We've changed the t- we've, we've completely changed the dynamics of this thing because what I've done was I have overwhelmed. I have overwhelming firepower here, right? I've beaten violence with superior violence. 
And so when I have superior violence on my side, that's how I overcome, one, your level of violence, and two, that ambush type of a, a timeline. You know what I mean? And so uh, if, you're, if the question is, well, how do I prevent somebody from accessing a weapon? I've always said put them down before they get a chance to access that weapon and put them down hard. Yeah, you can't you can't push an offense if you're if you're focused on just defending yourself and and, and it hurts so bad or you know you have a a bone that's breaking a finger that's snapping or something like that. It's hard to even think about like getting to a firearm or, or a knife or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So so Nick, the best the ahead. best definition of self defense, true self defense, is when the attacker becomes more concerned with their own personal preservation rather than their original motive of attack, right? So you make them concerned for their own safety, they're not going to be thinking about getting to a gun or getting to whatever. They're going to think about escaping, right? Because you're chewing holes in the side of their face, you're thumbing them in the eye, you're punching them in the throat, you're kneeing them in the groin. I mean, you make it so violent that they just don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah I love that saying. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it, you know? Yeah, it's cool. secret. No magic here, man. I don't have a one technique. That's a secret. I love the word secret. That's a secret. What are you talking about? That's a secret. We go with that. So, so listen, Nick, um, one of the biggest worries, I mean, one of the biggest dangers of actually being in a ground fight and, and being immobile on the ground is when this guy's buddies come in. And I've, I've, um, I've done security before and I've seen these gang fight. I've seen little gang fights where guy goes down on the ground. It, it might start out as a one on one attack, but as soon as it's down, that guy's buddy, it's their responsibility to jump in there with their, with their steel-toed work boots and just start kicking yeah. away. And, and I mean, they're ki- there's just no thought. Once you're in That's that right. mindset, there's no thought about where I'm kicking. I mean, these people are kicking at the head. One strike could literally put this person out for life. So, so when you're down on the ground and you've, you know, it's, you've got to assume it's always going to be like a multiple attacker uh, fight. There's going to be other people that might join in. So, what is your best strategy for that worst case scenario? You're down, other people are coming at you. What do you do? So let me break this into two different categories for you. I always call it superior position or inferior position. Superior position meaning you're the person that's on top. Inferior position means that you're the person that's on the bottom. Okay. When we're talking about superior positioning on top positioning, that's top of mount, top of guard, top of side mount, those types of things. Make your attack very violent, very quick. Get to your feet as quickly as possible. While you're doing that, make sure your head's on a swivel so you can see if anything's coming preemptively. If you're in an inferior position and you have to fight not just the ground itself, but also that person that's on top of you, now they're, you know, friend number two and friend number three and the girlfriend and the mistress and the wife, they're all coming around to come, you know, give, a, give you a good punt. You might be probably better off by, again, being able to capture that person's arm, their neck, the top of their head, and bringing them down and using them as Operation Human Shield. Mm. You know I mean? The idea, like, when we talk about mass attack, even striking, we talk about this concept of zoning, right? Meaning keep your feet moving to a point where you're stacking people up in one line. So if I have two attackers, I don't want one from the right, one from the left. I'm going to keep moving and circling until they're all in one line. We do that because the person in the back now has to come through the person in the front to be able to get to me. That's nothing different than being on the ground. I'm going to make them punch their buddy. And what I'm going to do is control and contain that guy and take my head away until I get some help and let them just chew up their own buddy. Maybe they're helping me out. I don't know. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, when you're on the bottom, sure. Do you want to get back to your feet as, as fast as possible? Yes. But there is a very realistic opportunity that sometimes you have to just stay on the ground and control and contain and let that person become your shield. Yeah. I know a lot yeah. of people are probably pissed off listening to that one. <laughs> no, no, that makes, no, that makes a lot, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, again, I mean, it comes down to, that that containment and control, like learning those techniques of leverage and things like that, they're not hard. They're not hard to learn, but like you said, most people aren't used to being on the ground and and understanding just the dynamics of movement down there because we don't. I mean, other than being in bed, maybe doing a few crunches every now and then, really people don't spend a lot of time on their back like that. So it's really getting used to that that movement, and then once you get the you know your own movement down and learning how to how to grab when you grab something, what do you do? You just hold on to dear life. No, you know, how do you leverage that down? And again, you can find these, some, some of the videos, um, go over and, uh, listen, everybody check out, check out Nick's website. Again, I'm going to give it to you here. It's www.s, the number two strategic.com. And, um, check out all his training over there. He's now down here in, uh, Texas. So I don't know, you can be opening up a, uh, school down here now that you're, you're down here or working, uh, just the online thing or what are you doing? Sure, I'll let, I'll let the cat out of the bag. Well, first and foremost, I mean, I, I travel and do probably about 45 to 50 seminars a year, right? Whether that's uh, inter- uh, domestically or internationally. So I'm very busy that way. And that includes the civilian side. That includes my law enforcement side and so forth. So I travel quite a bit. Second thing that I have is that my online academy where I'm now starting to put full feature training courses like edge weapons and, you know, unarmed combatives and that kind of thing. So that's available at that s2online.academy. And then your... You know, as far as opening a facility here, I want to open the S2 Tactical Training Center, which is going to be available for law enforcement and for civilian use. And it's very different because I have an indoor shoot house there uh, utilizing force-on-force simulations training. Um, and then we'll have a dividing wall on the other side is all of our unarmed combatives where we'll have ongoing classes and seminars and such going on at the same time. My plan is to open that sometime in you know, early to mid 2018. Um, you know, as you said, I just literally just a week ago moved from Chicago down to Texas, although my corporate office for S2 is still in Chicago. I'm going to open an office down here and then also a training facility down here. And so that should be coming into Dallas area sometime in early 2018. Cool. Nice. Well, everybody, you don't have to wait for that and you don't have to live in Texas. You can go ahead and check, uh, check out Nick's stuff online. Go over to s2strategic.com. Uh, there's going to be access over there also to the online academy. So you can actually see more of the videos and things like that for what Nick has been talking about. So, so go check that out now. And until our next Modern Combat Trail broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.